And uh, the rest of us, please, could turn on our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. And this is found on page 1,152 in the Church Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from being coming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, And calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So keep your Bible open and we will now uh, think about this passage. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your servant, the Apostle Paul. And thank you for all that we learn from him, from your word. And we pray now that as we consider your word... You will speak to us, and we pray that all those who belong to you will be encouraged and helped. And we pray also that any who do not know Christ will be drawn 
to put their faith in him. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we return again this morning to Paul's letter, second letter to the Corinthians. And this morning we are considering a passage which, if you are a believer, has the potential to be a tremendous help to you when you experience suffering. I say when you experience suffering because I can guarantee to you that if you are a a Christian, if you live for any length of time beyond, you know, being a young child, you are going to experience suffering. Even some of us, even as very young children, have experienced very deep suffering. Now, there are, of course, some people who call themselves Christians who say that as long as you've got enough faith and as long as you live a life of obedience to God, you don't need to suffer, they say. They say, you can rebuke sickness in the name of Jesus. You can claim unimaginable wealth from God's hands. You can dream great dreams for God and all your dreams will come true. For them, Jesus is some sort of, or God is some sort of uh, genie that came out of Aladdin's lamp who will satisfy whatever whim or desire somebody might have. But what this passage teaches us is that that is simply not true. It was not even true for the great Apostle Paul who knew the supernatural power of God in a way such as perhaps no other living human being apart from the Lord Jesus Christ himself has ever experienced. And yet even the Apostle Paul did not have all his prayers answered, as we will find out in this passage. He talks about a thorn that he had in his flesh. We don't know what that thorn was. Could it have been an illness? Maybe. Could it have been some physical disability or deformity? Maybe. Could it have been persecution? Maybe. Could it have been Perhaps a form of mental illness. Could he have heard voices in his head or had weird dreams? We don't know. And maybe the Holy Spirit deliberately did not allow Paul to tell us what his thorn is so that whatever suffering we go through, we can apply it to ourselves. You suppose he said, oh, I had a... Maybe he said, maybe he said, oh, I had bad eyesight. Some, that's one theory people say. Oh, it's about bad eyesight. Well, so those of us who have to wear glasses, oh, that's very encouraging, comforting, that even Paul had, to, had problems with his eyes. 
But what about the rest of us? It wouldn't do us any good, would it? But since we don't know what his thorn is, we can apply it to each one of us. And uh, so Paul prayed that God would take this thorn away from him, but the answer was effectively no. He's not going to take it away. Paul is going to have to live with it. But God's answer also was that knowing his grace, knowing the love of God, was enough. And in fact, that God's power is brought to maturity through weakness. Now, that's what we're going to be thinking about. But let me just give you a bit of background to the passage before we consider the details. Now, if you've been here in previous weeks, then you'll know some of this, but I know that not everybody was here previously, and some may not remember. So let me just give you a quick bit of background. So Paul is in the part of this letter uh, of 2 Corinthians, which starts at chapter 10 and goes through pretty much to the end of the letter, where he is having to defend himself against false teachers who had come into the church in Corinth. It would seem, reading between the lines, it would seem that these false teachers were saying something like this. They were saying, if you are somebody who really knows the blessing of God, you'll be rich, you'll be healthy, you'll be successful. And they were saying that if you're suffering, whether from persecution or from ill health, then that must be because there's something wrong with you. Because of lack of faith on your part or because of of lack of obedience or something like that. That seems to be the sorts of thing that they were saying. And they were saying, look at us, they were saying. We are so rich. We are so prosperous. We are so successful. We are so healthy. We are the sort of people you could be if you believed our message. And they were saying, oh, don't bother about Paul because... He's no good because look at him, he's, he's ill, he's poor, he's persecuted. No, 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 don't listen to Paul, listen to us, they said. And so Paul was having to defend himself. Now, he wasn't doing this because his pride was injured, he wasn't bothered about his own status. The reason why he defended himself was because he knew that if these If the church, if the members of the church in Corinth listened to these false teachers, they would land up believing a false gospel. And so, if they were saved already, they'd become weakened in their faith. And if they were not yet saved, they might never be saved and land up going to hell. So, it was very important that he had to defend himself. Now, uh, last time we were thinking about chapter 11. And in chapter 11, Paul found himself having to boast. He hated doing this because it was completely contrary to his nature. But because these people boasted so much about all of their supposed successes and their supposed gifts and money, 
Paul had to boast. But what he boasted about was not about his, his gifts or about his successes. What he boasted about was his suffering and how God had taken him through that suffering. Because where, and, and he was really turning on its head what his accusers were saying. His accusers were saying he can't possibly be a true apostle because he suffers so much. What Paul says is, you know I am a real apostle because I do suffer so much. And so that's what he's saying there in, in, um, in chapter 11. Now then, and then uh, in this chapter 12, he actually, for the beginning, he feels he needs to continue this boasting. And t- he, he feels he has to go on to boast about revelations, visions he's seen. And then he goes on to uh, talk about uh, how God gave him this thorn in the flesh. Now, some of you who were listening online when I was doing uh, services online back in COVID days, uh, June 2020, will might remember that I actually preached from this sermon, this service, this passage, excuse me, uh, during COVID, um, June 2020. Um, but I'm not going to apologise for speaking from the passage again because, uh, number one, there's quite a few people here who I don't think were online at the time. Um, also, even if you were online, chances are you've forgotten what I said anyway, and even if you haven't forgotten what I've said, it won't do you any harm to be reminded of what I said. And also, um, actually, I have completely reworked my material anyway. So, so uh, we are going to look at this passage again this morning. And the way I want to approach it today, slightly different from last time, what I want to do this time is to go through it bit by bit, uh, learning the lessons that Paul learned as he went through his different experiences. So the first thing to note is that Paul actually did really know the supernatural power of God. When he goes on to talk about how his thorn was not removed, it's not because he didn't know the supernatural. Far from it. Now we see this from verses 1 to 6. So I'll just read those verses again now. He says, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool For I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from doing it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears of me. So here in these verses, the Apostle Paul describes an amazing vision that he had been given of heaven. 
Now he speaks in the third person. He says, I know a man. But it's clear when you look at it, he's actually talking about his own experience. And that becomes clear from the verse 7 when he says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. So he's talking about what God had enabled him to see. Now, as with the other things that he boasted about in chapter 11, he spoke about these things with extreme reticence. Really just to say, oh, these false, te- these false teachers, they talk about their visions. Well, if they're going to play that game, I can out- outplay them. I've seen visions of God that they've never seen. And so he, he felt it necessary to, uh, to do that. But the thing that we can learn from this, obviously we are not going to see visions and revelations in the way that the Apostle Paul uh, had as an apostle. But what we can learn from this for ourselves is this. This man really did know God. He had seen, in all probability, he'd seen God face to face and had lived in a way that hardly anybody has ever done. He knew God. There's no question about it. He knew the supernatural power of God. And that's clear also from the great signs and wonders that he was enabled to do. He could command the sick to be healed. He could command the demons to come out. He could command the dead to rise from the, from the, from the, from the dead. He, this man knew God. So Paul is the ultimate answer to the person who says, if your prayer is not answered, it's because of a lack of faith on your part. Or if your prayer is not answered, it's because of disobedience on your part. Because if anybody would have had an answer to prayer, it would have been Paul. So don't allow anybody to say to you, and don't you ever to say to anybody else, definitively, your prayer is not being answered because of your sin. Of course that's always a possibility, and we must always examine ourselves if a prayer is not answered, because that can be the reason, we know that. Isaiah says, Surely your, you know, the arm of the Lord is not weakened that he cannot save, nor his ear so dull that he cannot hear, but your, your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. It can be that that's the case. And the psalmist says, I, if I had cherished sin in my heart, he would not have heard me. So yes, it can be true that sin can lead to lack of answer to prayer, but it is not necessarily the case at all. Sometimes the most godly, spirit-filled, holy, believing Christians do not experience answer to prayer. And that is a fact. That's a, that's, we know it from scripture, as we have from this passage here. We also know it from experience. So don't let anybody say to you, oh, it's your lack of faith. Oh, it's your disobedience. It may not be the true at all. And don't say it to anybody else either, unless you've got very strong reason to believe it. Now, secondly, 
uh, I want you to notice how Paul saw his suffering as coming ultimately from God. Let's look now at verse 3. Sorry, verse 7. He says, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Now, notice how Paul describes this thorn in the flesh, which, as I said, we don't know what it was, but notice how he describes this as a messenger of Satan. And uh, the word messenger is actually the word that is usually translated angel. So Paul is saying that he was afflicted by a demon. Now again, that's an extraordinary thing, isn't it? Because surely Paul, he's driving out demons left, right and centre. Surely Paul could say, all right, I could rebuke you, demon, go. He didn't do that, did he? So here is this demon that, that, is, that is tormenting him. Now, how is that happening? We don't know. Is it illness? We don't know. Is it funny thoughts coming into this? We don't know. Is it opposition? We don't know. But somehow, this evil spirit is getting at him really hard. Now, the word that's used, that's translated there as, as, um, uh, as buffeting, or harass me, sorry, Satan, a messenger of Satan to harass me, the actual word that's, that's used there is the word to hit. Uh, it's used in, um, in, um, uh, in, in, in the Gospels to describe how Jesus was struck, Matthew 26, verse 67. Uh, it says that they spat in his face and they struck him, they hit him. So here's this, here's Paul being, you know, hit by something, repeatedly. And it's not going away. Now, it must have been really quite something because Paul was not a stranger to suffering. If you, some of you were here a few weeks ago when we were looking at that list back in chapter 11. Uh... He received beatings, verse 24. Uh, beaten with rods, shipwrecked, stoned, uh, in danger of rivers, danger from robbers, danger from his own countrymen, danger from Gentiles. Massive suffering he was already experiencing, and yet this is singled out something really bad, really difficult that he's having to deal with. Now, what's interesting as well is that although he says that this was a, a messenger of Satan that was tormenting him, that was troubling him, he sees the hand of God behind this. Because he says uh, in that verse, 
to keep, verse 7, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness, a thorn was given to me. And this thorn was given to him to keep him from becoming conceited, to to stop him from becoming proud. He says that twice, to keep him from becoming conceited. Well, he says it was given to him, but well, who gave it to him then? Well, you say, well, it's Satan because, because he's a messenger of Satan, but hang on a Satan's not interested in people not being proud. (laughs) Satan's very happy for people to be proud. So who was it who gave Paul, this messenger of Satan, to stop him from beginning proud? Well, the answer, it must be God. You say, how can God send an evil spirit? It's not that God sends an evil spirit, but God allows that to happen. It was the devil who wanted to torment Paul and make life miserable for him. And the devil who sent that messenger of Satan. But the devil could only do that because God had previously allowed it. Otherwise it would never have happened. And so that's why Paul can say that effectively God had sent him this messenger of Satan. Now this is an echo of, of, um, of, what, of what we read in the book of Job. So many of you will remember the book of Job. Job was a man who had terrible afflictions. Where did Job's afflictions come from? Well, the short answer is they came from the devil. The devil said, oh, you've only allowed Job to... to uh, Job is only worshipping you because you've made his life easy take everything away from him and he'll curse you to his face to your face to God that's what the devil said so God said to 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 the devil as recorded in Job chapter 1 verse what verse 12 behold all that he's in is all that he has is in your hand only against him do not stretch out your hand so God gave to the devil permission to afflict Job but if God had not given permission to the devil the devil couldn't have touched him and so that's why when these calamities happened Job didn't say the devil has taken away did he you remember those words they're said in funerals what did he say the Lord he worshipped the Lord and he said the Lord has given And the Lord has taken away. So he understood that behind the actions of Satan is the action of the God who reigns. This is so important for us to understand. Behind every disaster that happens, behind every affliction, behind every sorrow in your life, Yes, there might be the devil trying to have a go at you. Yes, that's true. But behind that is the hand of God. The hand of the almighty, sovereign God. The hand of your loving, heavenly Father. You say, 
Why would my father give me this trouble? Answer, because he loves you. Because he's got a good purpose in it. Either because then you will know deliverance from it and the blessing of that, or as we will see, that you will know his help and strength in it. Either way, it has come from the hand of your loving Heavenly Father. Now, if you can get a hold of that, not Christians, Christians really struggle with this. But if you can grasp this, if you can accept this, this is going to give you such strength, such resilience when you go through the storm. So Lamentations, for example, says, um, Is it not from the hand of the Lord that both good and bad things come? We need to understand this, that behind Lamentations 3, verse 37, Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come. So he saw the hand of God behind his affliction. Now the third thing I want you to notice is that he did ask God to take away his affliction. Verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Now the word that's used there is the word that's Interestingly, it's the word that's usually translated encourage or beseech or, uh, or comfort. But it's used in this sense here, in the sense of urgently pleading. This is not just like a, a quick arrow. Oh Lord, if you don't mind, could you just do this for me? No, he really seriously sought prayer. Maybe it was over an extended period of time. Maybe he was fasting. He was really, really serious in asking God that he that God would take this away now notice again I want you to see this and underline this to you he did not say I rebuke you Satan did he even though it came from Satan he didn't say that he did not say I command this thorn to be taken away he didn't say that did he he besought the Lord and he asked the Lord to, to, uh, to take this thorn away. Now, but there is a lesson here for us, isn't it? If you are ill or if you are afflicted and tormented with some mental illness or something like that or some horrible thoughts coming into your head all the time these voices, whatever it is or depression or if you've got some really difficult family situation that just goes on and on and on and on and it's really draining you down whatever it is of course pray of course pray don't think oh well because God We'll see how God has got a good purpose in suffering. We shouldn't therefore think, oh, well, don't, don't pray about your sufferings. Just, 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 just enjoy your sufferings. No, of course not. The first thing to do is to pray. 
Maybe it will be God's plan to take this thing away from you. So pray, and maybe if necessary, fast. Do, you know, really go to God and say, Lord, I really do want you to do this for me. Ask him. But then the next thing I want you to see from this is that God's answer to Paul on this matter was effectively no. Verse 9. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, we don't have the word no in there, but it's very, very clear that that is effectively what God was saying to Paul. No, I'm not going to give you, on this occasion, I'm not going to give you what you have asked for. Now, I just want you to notice that. Let's not, let's not pass over that. Sometimes God does not give people what they ask for. It's there in the Bible. The Apostle Paul said it. It happened to him. And the, the answer is because sometimes it was not God's will to do the thing that's been asked for. That can be, there could be no other possible explanation here because there's no sin in Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. No lack of faith, as we've seen. Now, let's take the example of, of physical healing. We could apply this to any, any, any affliction. Take the example of physical healing. I'm sure that all of us here who have been Christians for any length of time, we will have known, personally, Christians who were very, very seriously ill, perhaps had a terminal diagnosis of cancer or something like that, and they prayed to the Lord, and you prayed for them, and I prayed for them, and lo and behold, it got better. And the doctor said, I can't explain this, because I expected you to be dead by now, but the person comes back in for a checkup two years later, five years later, ten years later, cancer doesn't come back. I can't explain it, explain it he said, but... I'm just glad it's happened. But probably all of us also have known other Christians who are very seriously ill. You prayed for them, I prayed for them. Lovely Christian people. Godly, faithful, believing. We prayed. And what happened? They died. Was the one who was healed any better than the one who died? Not necessarily. If anything, sometimes you think the one who died was the most saintly. And of course, we're all going to die anyway, at some point anyway, aren't we? But so this is something we must face. That prayers sometimes are not answered affirmatively. Or take another example. Um, many of us will know, some of us here in this room will be in this category with serious, chronic health problems. And 
those chronic problems are really hampering their ability to do what they'd love to be able to do for the Lord. They'd love to be involved in evangelism. They'd love to be at every meeting of the church. They'd love to be involved in prayer meetings, having giving hospitality. But they simply cannot do that because of this chronic condition that they have and maybe can only get to one meeting a week if they're lucky. And they've prayed and they've prayed and they've prayed and they've prayed, but the situation hasn't changed. This happens. Well, be encouraged if you're in that category because you're not alone. The Apostle Paul experienced unanswered prayer. Well, then the next thing to see is that, Paul, that God said something to Paul. Verse 9. God said to Paul that his grace was all that he needed. Verse 9. He said, He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. Now, of course, Paul, as the Apostle Paul, he could have direct revelations from God, like the Old Testament prophets. He could literally hear the actual words of God directly in his in his in his ears, which or in his mind, which which we do not expect to hear today. But this is recorded for our benefit. And God is saying to Paul, look, my love is all that you need. If you know my love, you don't actually need anything else. That's what grace is, undeserved love. That's why we read from Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If I, got, if I know the love of God, I've got all I need. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's why we also read from Romans, Romans 8 in our service. Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ. You see that's all that really matters. As long as nothing can separate you. From the love of Christ. You're safe. Because after all. What is this body? It will soon be gone anyway. It will soon be in the grave. What is money? That will soon be gone. What are houses? They will soon be gone. What are family? They will soon be gone. What is your health? Well your health is failing. And that will soon completely fail but as long as you're in the hands of God you're okay as long as you know the love of God you're safe because with the love of God comes everything else that's worth having with him comes eternal life with him comes glory with him comes satisfaction with him comes joy. With him comes peace. Everything that you need is in him. So as long as you're in him, as long as you're united with his love, you're okay. And that's what God is saying to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. All you really need is to know my love. Everything else is nice to have. Of course it's nice to be healthy. Of course it would be nice to... to 
have lots and lots of money if, if, if God would so bless. Of course, it would be nice to, to have a beautiful, sweet family and everything is all perfectly rosy. It would be really nice, but what really matters is that you know the love of God. And if you belong to Christ, you have that. You've got that treasure which no other person any, that no person who, who does not belong to Christ has something in, amazingly valuable. The love of God. That's all you actually need. And then the next thing Paul learns is this. Not only is God's love enough, but then also he says, God says to him, my power is made perfect or brought to maturity through weakness or in weakness. It's only when we are weak that we really experience the power of God. We were hearing this last week. I've heard part of that sermon from Andy Kite from the evening service. Paul, Philippians 3. It's as, he, as we die, we know the resurrection power of Christ. Not just at the resurrection, not at the future, but even in this life. As we die, as we suffer, as we have difficulty, so we experience the power of God. You see, we tend to think, ah, if I get delivered... If I get healed, if I become a millionaire, that's going to really show the power of God. Well, yes, in one sense. But if you carry on rejoicing in the Lord as you get weaker and weaker and as your prayers are not answered, and giving thanks to God and being joyful and kind and not grumpy. Now that's a real miracle, isn't it? That's the real power of God. And you can only experience that sort of power through suffering. You only learn to persevere by persevering. There's no shortcuts. You only learn... You only come to maturity in experiencing the power of God through going through difficulty. And so the psalmist says, uh, uh, Psalm 119, verse 67, he says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Or Psalm uh, 71, in just a few verses on in Psalm 119, it was Good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. There's things we learn through affliction that we don't learn any other way. And so Paul learned, last thing we see, last point we see from this passage is that Paul actually learned to delight in his afflictions. Second half of verse 9 and verse 10. Therefore he says... I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses 
so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So what he's saying here is this, that he's actually proud of the fact that he suffered. He's proud of his weakness. Because, not because he enjoys suffering for his own sake, but because of the blessings that come through it. Well, I hope and pray that what we've seen this morning will be of help and encouragement to you if you are a Christian, and that God will help you and help me to learn the lessons that Paul learned through the suffering. Let us take to heart what we've seen today and let us, let us remember uh, these things and uh, seek by God's grace to, uh, to put these things into practice. And let me say to anybody who's not yet a Christian, you can know this God you can know this love if you'll come to him. He will bless you and he will cause you to know his love which never fails. Well, we're going to sing our last hymn now and that is number 748 which picks up this theme, In heavenly love abiding, no change my heart shall fear.